0: Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. I met Charles Milton about a year ago, and the thing that stood out to me about him was this desire that he has to help people, to want other people to succeed, to want to help people overcome whatever barriers are in the way to them moving forward and creating the success that they want. I am so honored to consider him one of my friends and that he came on the podcast to share his story with you. He is the founder and CEO of Bursity, which is a company that is bridging the education gap, getting more students the money they need to pursue higher learning. I can't wait to share this interview with you today. Hi Charles, welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited that you are here today. Before I ask you all the questions I have planned for you, I was hoping you could introduce yourself and tell everybody all about Versity, this amazing thing that you are building.
1: Um, thanks, Andrew, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. My name is Charles Milton. I'm a founder, a father, uh, community advocates, and the chief executive officer at Versity.org. Um, that's very new for us, too. We used to be CA, but we're going into the U.S. market as well, and the CA just wouldn't work. So now we're bursary.org. And we kind of bill ourselves as the indeed of scholarships, bursaries, and grants for post-secondary. We're building North America's largest database of financial awards exclusively for marginalized students. And we're helping them find and streamline the process from going from broke students to able to fully fund their tuition debt-free.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So just so people know, Indeed is like the job board of all job boards, right? Like they find all the jobs and then they bring it on one web page. And what you're creating is one place where you go to find all the scholarships and all the bursaries, right?
1: So I'm, I'm kind of dating myself, I guess, by saying Indeed, because most people think of LinkedIn these days, but it's just like you explained it. Yes, Indeed okay. was where you would go back in the day to find any kind of job that you were looking for. And you create a profile and then basically just apply to the jobs through there. We're doing something very similar with the $45 billion in scholarships, bursaries, and grants all across Canada and the US.
0: Okay, wow, that's incredible and much needed. So I want to go back in time and I want to understand because I actually met you when Versity was already two years. In business, right? We, we didn't mean at the beginning.
1: About a year and a half. Yeah, about a year, about and, a year and
0: a half in. Um, so I want to go back to before bursity was even a thing. What was going on for you right before you had this idea?
1: Right before I had the idea for bursity, I had just returned to school as a mature student. Uh, in my early 30s, I was able to go to NSCC and I kind of had a, a, a full university experience at a two-year college. So I went in for web development and realized I wasn't really a fan of CSS or cascading style sheets. It's what makes the websites look pretty. And I switched over to programming. And then I realized I wasn't really a fan of object-oriented programming. Um, for those who are less techie, it's basically the thing that makes your programs do what they do. I switched into database development and got into analytics. And... It was pretty cool because in my four years at NSCC, I got a good rounded wealth of knowledge when it comes to how to build software all over. But when I got the idea for Bursity itself, it was in my internship during my third to fourth year of school. Uh, first year internship was like an entrepreneurial internship. The second internship I had in the summertime, I was actually running my own company and was paid by the province of Nova Scotia to actually do that through an innovation boot camp. I took a traditional internship at the Delmore Buddy Day Learning Institute as a mature student and was tasked with building a database of awards for African-American students. It took me about three weeks to find 126 awards. Uh, That total amount was worth about a quarter of a million dollars, $246,000 altogether. And I realized how hard it was for students to find money to pay for school. And I'd not been able to go to school for a very long time because I wanted to avoid the debt and didn't want to take on the high cost of loans. When I realized how hard it was to find the awards, how much money was really out there, and I looked at the fact that I don't want to say it was serendipity, but I finally had the skills to maybe address an issue like this, I I kind of got focused on how can I make this work for myself as a business, but as well as a resource for people who want to pursue school but don't always think it's the avenue for them.
0: So Charles, I just want to take get everybody back uh, up to speed on your story because not everyone's from Nova Scotia that listens to the podcast. So NSCC is the Nova Scotia Community College. So you went there, things are going well, you kind of shifted lanes a bit as you as while you were there as you should your student, you're figuring things out. And then you Took landed at the Delmore Buddy Day Institute, which is actually really exciting because Sylvia Paris Drummond, who's the executive director, was actually on my podcast a couple months ago. So I will cool. link to that in the show notes. But what I understand from that organization is that it's a nonprofit. And I'm really curious as to how you shifted from tackling this issue from a nonprofit perspective to now taking it on as a f- business.
1: So everybody at the DBD LI, the Delmore Delphi- mm-hmm. Buddy Day Learning Institute, um, amazing people. They do amazing work. And they're 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 tasked with with helping to build Curriculum that's tailored towards the African Nova Scotian students, um, and help them give a more individual, help them receive a more individualized uh, learning experience. When I was there, they wanted to be able to create a database that they can give out on a an manual basis to help students find money for post-secondary, because post-secondary is really important for people coming from marginalized demographics as well, just to be able to help them. And while building it for them, it, it, was, it was tough. It took me three weeks, but it was really a pleasure because it was a task that was laborious, but had a lot of good results. I've heard from a lot of students who have actually used it, and they're saying that they loved it. However, the Nova Scotian demographic, were about 2 to 3% of the entire population of Nova Scotia alone, even though we are considered to be like the most indigenous black group in Canada, but we're still a very small portion of people. But the problem of not having money to be able to go to school, it's, it's much bigger than the Nova Scotian demographic and the amount of students that might be trying to go to school at any given time. I knew with the amount of money that was out there and even with the limited learning that I had at that point in time, that um, if this was to be used on a bigger scale, it could help many, many more people. Now, though the DBD themselves, they work from a nonprofit perspective, we were looking at diversity of how can we take this to be something that's going to be lasting and sustainable enough to be able to actually help people on a long-term basis to be able to affect change. From that situation, we were looking at a business model, and the initial business model was actually to create the platform and to charge students for it. But we've pivoted from that sense so we can make it free of charge for the students. But we've also realized that there's other individuals and other players involved who do have problems that they need solved as business problems that would actually be able to help us keep our servers humming and our lights on while we're attacking the problem from the student perspective itself.
0: Okay, that's a lot. So now so It's cool because you started it from this area of service, from nonprofit, from community grassroots. Like you're in the community, right? When you got this idea and now you're like using business to scale with this system, right? That could go anywhere. Like it started as something, the idea came to help people in Nova Scotia. Then it grew, you know, it's bigger than Nova Scotia and now you're tackling the U.S. market. So I get it. Like that makes total sense to me as to why you would tackle this from a business perspective. So I want to go back to before though. So when you had this idea, you're like, I'm going to start a business. What did you want to accomplish?
1: Um, It's funny because I never really looked, I never thought Bursty was going to end up being the business that I was going to end up doing. Prior to that, I'd worked on a couple different ideas, which though for myself, I could never really get them off the ground. They had enough traction that Later on, after I stopped working on them, I found a few different versions of them that were patented by people I had spoken to and done customer discovery with, but that's neither here nor there. But with Bursity in itself, the, the real goal of Bursity and what made me so passionate about it and made me actually put the last two years of my life just about into it with just sweat equity, meaning that we're not really, we're not really taking a paycheck at the end of the day, um, it was to help students from marginalized and disenfranchised backgrounds, um, students from lower socioeconomic uh, households, just just help them lower the hurdles to higher learning. Um, for me really it was about it was about helping some individuals be able to avoid a lot of the mental strife, the stress, the hardships that I went through myself growing up through my 20s and my early 30s, not being able to actually get the jobs that I want because I didn't have the accreditation and not knowing how to go about getting the funds to pay for that. It was about creating an outlet or it was about creating a way out for those kind of people.
0: Can you actually down the barriers for me? Just like really take it down to a basic level so that.
1: So I guess if you're looking at it, depending on how you're looking at it for certain individuals, unfortunately there are a whole lot of barriers that prevent them from being able to go to school. I'm going to start by saying, I guess that. So just so you know,
0: I am coming to this from a place of of privilege. So that's why I'm asking. It's just like, I just want to understand a little bit more so that, so where these people are coming from, because I am absolutely coming from a place of privilege. Just want to get that out of the way. (laughs)
1: I can really appreciate you saying that, but nonetheless, we've had this conversation, Andrea. You know, like, Caucasian women and people of African descent, especially the men or the women themselves, we've had a lot of the same struggles, unfortunately. So we, I, can, I can really appreciate you asking the question and, and giving me the platform to explain it. But I guess, depending on what socioeconomic background you're in, race can typically play a factor sometimes. Uh, when it comes to, especially if we're looking at African-American youth who are growing up in single-parent homes, more often than not, where there may be several children, a high household cost, but maybe only one parent who is working one or two jobs, but still not bringing in the same amount of money that they might find in the homes of their Caucasian counterparts. It's really tough to have the thoughts of growing up and going to school and succeeding in post-secondary education, even though you're taught from a very young age that that's, that's the way that you make something of yourself. You grow up, you get an education, you get a good job, and you have a good quality of life. But unfortunately, education doesn't just start at the post-secondary level. Um, if we're looking at certain areas, typically the areas that people might might call the hood might call the ghetto, areas that eventually end up becoming gentrified. They're very poor for a very long period of time with uh, a very particular demographic of people living there, whether it's going to be newly arrived migrants or people from any particular racial quote unquote, minority background, uh, based on processes like redlining and the like, they're relegated to live in areas that don't have a lot of economic impact. Uh, In the States, particularly, uh, we'll talk about that, because a lot of the money that goes into the schools actually comes from property taxes from the regions themselves. You'll find in those areas that the students are highly compacted into schools that aren't well paid for or well maintained. And that affects the amount of people who are there, the quality of teaching that's there because the teachers are paid less as well, as well as the resources that are available to the students themselves. A lot of these students are gonna end up graduating and they might not even be prepared for post-secondary education, academically that is, they might not even have the training that they need if they even had the finances. But then the cost of education itself for one individual is typically about half the yearly income of an entire household collectively, so when you have to measure the cost of education versus how are we going to survive, it's, it's pretty easy to see what ends up getting sacrificed. So what we really wanted to do with Bursity is let individuals know that it doesn't have to be a choice of do I graduate as a high school student and then go into the workforce and work full time just to be able to support my family because they can't afford to pay for me to go to school we've realized that there's a lot of people out there who do want to help certain individuals go to school and we wanted to basically bring them together so we can, we can facilitate that. For them. I, I guess it's like I said, really, it's, it's lower hurdles to higher learning. And unfortunately for some people, there's a lot of hurdles that happen to be underway.
0: So the cool thing that I love about this story is that you're, you're literally just connecting the dots, right? Like you said, there's people that want to help other people and then there's people that need help. But for some reason, there was no way to connect them before, varsity.
1: Uh, I think there totally was a way to connect them. I just think maybe it's the generational age gap. A lot of the people who are trying to, a lot of the individuals who are trying to get the money out there, great hearts and great efforts, but con- technology is continuously changing, right? And the youth these days um, what was it? So, uh, I think I think my intern kind of laughs at me because I'm just like, have you seen the vine? And she's like, well, vines don't really exist anymore. It went from being the vine to what Snapchat and Instagram now TikTok every day. It's something new. And the youth are always using a new platform to get the information that they're obtaining and people who, who even myself, I'm in my mid thirties, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm outdated. I don't know what resources to use. If a person is probably from a generation just above mine, they've got even more difficulty marketing to the students. And that's one of the biggest issues with students actually finding that resources out there. It's the fact that the individuals who are trying to get it out to them don't know what the best avenue to use is. So we figured maybe if we could just put everything under one roof, it's just one avenue and uh, just bring everybody together. It's literally, like you said, just connecting the dots, but doing it a little bit easier for everyone else.
0: Okay, so make it easy. That makes total sense. Because you think of people like you think of the way people um, get wealth, right? It's like, the, it usually comes later in life, right? It, you're not you don't have a 25 year old that is giving scholarships, or you, usually like the CEO of a company is not in their early 20s on TikTok knows how to connect with the youth. It's usually someone a bit older that is in that decision making position that can provide the scholarships, can provide diversity. So you've just come in and you as we need an innovative way to get these students connected, because the school system is not working. Um, it just keeps, like you talked about, like systemic racism, right? Like the school's underfunded, the quality of the education isn't as good. So when people graduate, they don't, they're not necessarily ready at the same level as people in a higher income neighborhoods. So you can't rely on that system and people want to help, but they don't know what to do. So you step in and you create this technology platform that takes the people and the resources and brings them together.
1: That's exactly that it. That the show? fact of the matter is uh, it's exactly that because these days about 80% of the population out there, if you know that there's one thing that they have, it's a means of communication. It's a means of accessing the internet. It's it's a computer. It's a, it's a cellular phone. It's a smartphone in their pocket. So if we could just access them directly on their smartphone and basically just create the application and then just ping, there you go, Andrew, you have a notification, you have a $2,500 grant that's available for you. All you got to do is take two seconds to apply to it. Uh, Not two seconds, but the way that we're designing it nonetheless, we're going to, we're going to speed up that process a little bit.
0: Amazing. Okay. So I'm really curious about the moment when you realized you were the person to take this on. And Um,
1: that's... That's that's wow. That's that's something to think about. I mean a lot of things have happened in my life that built up to this moment. I've been thinking about that recently because there's been a lot of it wasn't easy to get to where we are today and Bercy's in a really good place right now. We have a small team of people. We're in we're about halfway through our development. But so many things have happened to me in my life that have kind of led to this. And The thing about it is, though, is that I really realized just last week that I think I'm the person to do this. So if we were to go back a little bit, I guess I was raised in a single-parent household. um, And lucky enough, my mother was able to raise my sister and I in a nice little suburban area. We were one of the only... We were one of the only black families in the area. I didn't really think about it much until maybe I got to high school, but uh, getting through high school wasn't the easiest thing. Kind of got into trouble. My mother wanted me to get out of high school, go into law school. She had a little bit of money set aside for me to do so. But by the time I was ready to get out of high school, I, I was king of the world. My mom wanted to teach me otherwise. So I was I was put out of the house really young. I think I was about 17, 18 years old. Um, I wasn't able to go to school right away. I got out there, king of the world, cock of the walk, and uh, I got into retail sales. And I did sales for probably about four to five years before I finally realized I need some kind of education or else I'm going to be stuck in these dead end jobs forever. Uh, that year, I got a student loan, tried to go to Concordia University, studied uh, fine arts and theology at that point in time, but I still wasn't able to finish school. Couldn't finish because I had to balance. Part-time schooling with full-time work just to maintain my quality of life, to be able to afford an apartment just just in uptown Montreal. Dropped out that year, and it was probably another seven years before I was able to go back. And after being laid off and looking for work for about, what, 18 months? um, After looking for work for about 18 months, I went to an organization called the Job Junction. And the job junction gave me a whole bunch of skills to find work, like building your resume, learning about the hidden job markets, informational interviews and everything. But still, because I was at a certain age, now I was entering my early 30s, I was at a certain age where I didn't have the accreditation to do the jobs that I wanted, but I was way too skilled to do the jobs that I could probably land a job for. So they knew I was going to end up churning. Um, Even if I had had a job at that point in time, basically, I would have hit the glass ceiling, and I would have never been satisfied there. But the Job Junction told me about a program called Skills Development. And Skills Development was put on by Employment Nova Scotia, and that's how I ended up back in school. So going in, doing the web design, the programming, and everything, and then ending up in the Delmore Buddy Day Learning Institute. Looking back over all that and, like, my own educational experience in high school, um, trying to get into school, taking a student loan, not being able to afford it itself, uh, working, not finding a job, I learned, I learned so many different things throughout that. But then I ended up back in school. And when I got back to NSCC, I said to myself, like, you know, like, sure, you're a grown man, you're an old guy, but you're going to have yourself the full university experience. And I did everything I could at that point in time, learned about entrepreneurship and everything. Found out of the found out about the problem when I built the database for the Buddy Day Learning Institute. I dropped all the other things that I was working on when it came to entrepreneurial ideas, and I was I was creating a smart cart that would track your purchases and give you coupons in stores. I was trying to create an application that you can download your bus pass and your bus tickets directly on your phone and buy. so
0: you had the the desire to be an entrepreneur in your heart like there was this burning desire to be in your heart that was there and then the opportunity to fuel it came when you had this internship at the downward Buddy Day Learning Institute, and that, it was like
1: serendipitous, I guess, because the thing about it is these other ideas were like billion dollar ideas. But I would pitch these ideas, and I had people who had money, investors, who would look at me and they're like, "You have great ideas, and you're a great salesman, but we can see you don't care about these ideas."
0: Hmm. But with
1: Versity, I really fell in love with the idea because I'm just like, "This is why my life is in this situation because I've not been able to access this money, but now I can help somebody else access this money." So. After graduating school with, with so many awards, walking across the stage, getting my diploma, uh, business innovation awards, community engagement awards and everything, I, I didn't go into the workforce. I looked for jobs, maybe four or five, and I'm kind of happy that I wasn't the person who was accepted for the job because I wouldn't have been able to work on this. But I spent I spent since, since May 2019, I, I've been working on this with limited, limited, limited income and resources. Uh, meanwhile, paying our staff, myself and my co-founder paying our staff. But all that led to last week coming around. So now we're about seven weeks into our development. We have a functional prototype, we're pulling everything together, our database, our $4 million worth of awards that we currently have for Canada and the US. We're getting it all ready to launch within the next couple of weeks, but then- 4
0: million? You found $4 million? <laughs>
1: We have four. Well, I didn't find four million dollars. That would have been nice. But we do have four million dollars worth of awards that we're going to be making
0: to give work. away that you, that people could potentially access. That's incredible. Exactly.
1: The thing about it is, is that in the last couple of months, not only did COVID happen, which was really good for our business. Unfortunately, it was bad for the world, but it was really great for business for us. Um, shortly after COVID happened, there was the resurgence of BLM, the Black Lives Matters and myself as a person of color or a black man, I mean, I've I've lived through a whole bunch of those struggles. So when I realized that I struggled for months, saying to myself, "How do I, how do I reconcile between the fact that I want to create a company like Bursity to help marginalized students, but knowing that unfortunately marginalized students aren't the ones who are going to keep our lights on?" Um, but I really want to, I really want to help them solve that problem. I struggled for months between do we make our platform uniquely for students who need it or do we leave it open to students who could pay? And then we charge one group but don't charge the other. But then the question was, how do you how do you measure financial need without actually, you know, embarrassing somebody and talking about a subject that's sensitive to them? But when the Black Lives Matter movement resurged, then for me that says, you know. This is something you've been thinking about for a very, very long time. How can you make an impact in the black community, in the Hispanic community, in the indigenous community? How can you help people who have been systemically disenfranchised and make it so that they can get cyclical economic opportunity and cyclical economic growth in their life? And I said education. I mean, everyone always teaches that education is the is the way to do that. So you're creating a platform to help people find money for school, um, make it exclusively for for the marginalized people. After doing that, that was super good. We started, the whole team got hyped behind it. The whole team got behind the idea and we're all from diverse backgrounds, but we all got behind the idea. And then with BLM popping up, there was an organization out here in Halifax called Ontravestor who had just before that had done a feature of diversity. but then I was asked to write about diversity and uh, inclusion and diversity and supports for African Nova Scotians uh, sponsors. And uh, my apologies for African Nova Scotian founders. Um, at the end of their series of about four to five different articles written by different members of the Indigenous, Black, and minority founders uh, demographic out here in Atlantic Canada, they ran an article that spoke about the fact that over the last 10 years, there was 540, 554 different startups that were built in Atlantic Canada. And Andrew, if I could ask you to guess, what percentage do you think was actually had a founder or a CEO? That that was that was black or of African Canadian descent.
0: So I read the article. So
1: I know it's you know less than
0: one per it's less than one percent.
1: Point seven percent. Less than one percent. When that happened, when I read that, that was the loneliest day of my life. And I realized that day that I only am where I am today, one because of my collegiate experience because of my university experience and, and, and saying to myself, I'm going to do everything that a student would do when they were in school. And I only had that when I was grown. Um, two, it was the loneliest day of my life because I looked around and I said to myself, that's over the last 10 years. And I only came back to Halifax, Nova Scotia from Montreal 10 years ago. So if I wasn't here, and I'm not taking it all of my own shoulders, but if I wasn't here, that number would be significant, w- w- would, be, would be different. Um, when I realized that, and having looked around the ecosystem and said, I don't see too many black founders with a technical background. Um, I said, if I, if I really want to see more, then I've got to do my best to give people from marginalized demographics the opportunity to get out there and have that same experience that I had. Whether they, it, whether they do it with engineering, whether they do it with entrepreneurship, whether they do it with journalism or whatever it is, just give them the opportunity to get out there and have fun to fail and fail fast, and to make friends, learn things, and live their life so they can go on and they can have the strength and the comfort, the, 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 the courage to pursue whatever it is that they want to pursue based on the fact that they had a safe place to be able to do it for a couple of years without having to worry about uh, judgment or it affected their career or whatnot. So for me, really, the answer to the question of when did I know that I was the person to do this was last week when I realized over the last 10 years I was one of the few to actually do this and if I wanted to see many more people doing it then I can't give up right now because I don't know if there's anybody else standing behind me ready to take my place.
0: I have chills from that story.
1: I feel like crying every time I tell it.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And it's crazy how I love how you talk about cuz I think other people have talked about this before but it's not just about the money. Like money, the money is the first thing. It's really about making the friends. I love how you said fail, fail again. Go, it's almost like going all in. Like going all in in that educational experience is what create it's not like whether you because you know how to code or you took that computer programming course at NSCC is not what got you to where you are today. It is the friends you made. It is Exactly. Switching programs all the time. It's having yeah. that the freedom to do that. I think what I see today it's is that's probably really, what it was.
1: I think really what I had the most is going into going into my 30s, I was coming to a point where I'd had a fair amount of life experience, perhaps like numerically. I had a lot of years behind me. But I hadn't really had any, any solid experiences that helped me figure out who am I? What do I want to do? Um, what kind of personal growth have I had? Yeah, sure. I, I had a lot of jobs at that point in time. And I can't say I had any careers, but I had a lot of jobs at that point in time. But I didn't have any of those memories of uh, getting together in a group effort and competing with a team and maybe a hackathon or something like that. Or even though I had to work with other individuals, whether I was working retail or I was working customer service, I didn't have the the real training to work in a, in a group environment and have to be a part of a team, whether it was a leadership or a support role. Um, I'd never, I'd, I'd always loved to be involved in community aspects, but I'd never been able to be elected the president of my student association or the vice president of my student association or say to myself one year, like, you know what? I don't want to have a leadership role this year. I just want to support and I'll be a member of the council instead. But having been able to go to school and especially because I did it in Nova Scotia where the schools are so tightly knit together and I was dealing with entrepreneurship. Um, I've always been a hustler. I'm not going to lie about that. I've always been a salesman. So I figured it was going to be natural for me. But because a lot of the schools do their entrepreneurship stuff together, being able to go from Acadia to SMU to Dalhousie and being on all the individual campuses and meeting students from so many different backgrounds on the different campuses, that experience, it, it really helped me grow. It really helped me figure out who I was at a period of time where I I could have very well been going on to an early midlife crisis in my early thirties if I didn't have something like that. But being able to take advantage of that, it's it's maybe a much more well rounded individual. Unfortunately, a lot of individuals don't get that opportunity, and it's an opportunity where you can figure out who you are, what you want to do, and you can grow if you really if you really take the time to do it. Um, I I loved it. I'm happy for it, and I'd love to see others be able to take advantage of it as well. Okay, it's never too late. No matter no matter what age you are, it's never too late. I don't think because uh, it's it was crazy fun.
0: Okay, so that is what bursity is all about. Really, in a nutshell, is this moment that you had recently about this whole experience, and you want other people to have that as well, because that's going to make the world better. That's going to make our economy stronger. That's going to make companies better. That's going to create better workers. All of these amazing things, right?
1: So is there anything else? Tell me more. Something, something just like you're saying there. Um, so like, yes, that's what Bursi is all about from from my own and what inspired me to do it. But I guess uh, one thing I've noticed, and I'm going to share this is that as, as I worked my way through Bercy over the last year, I was moonlighting as a barber actually on, on the campus of a local university. And I I saw a lot of students come through and get in my chair, students of all different backgrounds. But when I saw a lot of students from, from the African diaspora, they were mostly coming in either maybe they were football or basketball players from the U.S. Or they were mostly coming in from Africa or the Caribbean. And it broke my heart that a lot of those students were telling me that they'd never met another African Nova Scotian on campus except for me. And I wasn't studying on campus, I was working there. Yeah, I was there to talk to the students because I'm working on a startup that's facing students. So while I'm paying my bills at the same point in time, I'm finding out about the business that I have to build. But they'd never met another African Nova Scotian on campus. The lack of representation on Mm -hmm. the campuses themselves actually leads to lack of representation in the workforce. So what we're really trying to do is, yes, give people that life opportunity, but even outside of university or the education system itself, Mm give them that pass that, that I didn't have for so long. That made me, it made me bitter. I'm not going to lie, but give them that pass that allows them to say that here, I have a diploma that says I have these skills. So please consider me for this job. And hopefully that with enough people getting those diplomas, getting those degrees, it's going to change the lack of representation and visibility in, in, in the workforce, whether it's going to be, uh, Whether it's CEO, C level type jobs, or whether it's even just mid management type jobs, or what may be. Similarly to the movement, how it was a few years back when it was talking about more women in STEM or more women in the entrepreneurial circuit and the like, um, I do recognize there's a very similar problem when it comes to people of color, unfortunately, in general, in a lot of different careers. So, diversity is my way of saying that uh, one, you deserve it, two, let somebody help you pay your way, and then once you graduate, uh, get out there and give it your best because now you have now you have all the ammunition you need.
0: Okay, I love that. So, tell me what's next for Versity. Um, so, next for us,
1: what's next for us? Well, we've been doing a lot over the last two months. We're about halfway through our developments. Um, we recently made a really huge pivot where we decided to focus initially on marginalized students and. Um, Not only are we focused on marginalized students, but when we launch in the next six to eight weeks, we're launching our initial uh, beta platform exclusively to students who are members of the African diaspora in support of Black Lives and Black Student Matter. Um, That being the case, we're going to be launching and putting about $4 million worth of awards at their fingertips, and we're going to leave it available to them for a couple of months as we release, refine, repeat, figure out what the bugs are in the system, and fix that so we can be not only the largest hub of financial awards, but we also want to be the fastest way for them to fund their tuition. Um, Once we got the bugs fixed out, we're going to be expanding to the Latin and the Indigenous peoples in Canada and the U.S. as well. And then slowly build a bigger database of scholarships and open up to more marginalized demographics. Uh, But eventually, really, we hope to be more than just financial awards. We want to help people streamline not just the access to finding funding, but also um, helping the best students get into the best schools by going from being an application just for financial awards like scholarships, bursaries, and grants, to also being a means for them to apply directly to the universities of their choosing.
0: Okay, so make it a seamless process.
1: Completely 100 from A to Z, uh, the fastest way to fund your tuition and the quickest way to get to college.
0: I love that. So I always encourage people to take action because you. I learned a lot of stuff from this conversation. I'm sure people listening are as well. So what can people do within 24 hours? And just think about most of my listeners are, are like me. They look like me. They prob- their parents probably went to university, their parents probably helped them pay for university. So what can people like me do within the next 24 hours to just learn, take action, do something?
1: All right, so I guess, you know, we've spoken for the last little while about how hard it is for some people to pay for university. And, um, you know, you said earlier on that you come from a place of privilege, right? So that being the case, um, turn around and say thank you to the people who gave you the opportunity to have that privilege in itself because paying for school is not always easy. So first things first, I would say, you know, just say, mom, dad, you guys worked out a couple dozen thousands of dollars. Thank you very, very much. But outside of this, um, if you're out there listening to this and you think versity is something that can benefit you or benefit somebody, you know, um, just sign up today at versity.org. That's B-U-R-S-I-T-Y.org or just share the link with somebody. Um, if you don't need it, we appreciate the support. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook at Bursity O-R-G. Uh, the same thing just without the dot. But outside of that, I mean, the only other thing that I would really say to anybody is that you, you never really know what somebody else is going through. So if you're dealing with something in your life, they're dealing with something in their life, my, my only thing that I would ask people to do Try not to judge, but if you're able to make life easier for them, then you owe it to yourself to make the world a better place. So just do what you can to help somebody else out and uh, keep doing in small amounts.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast, Charles. It's been a while and I am really just... a
1: pleasure to be here.
0: I'm so excited <laughs> about what you're building and I can't wait to hear how successful this rollout is going to be.
1: Well, once all this COVID, once all this COVID stuff is done, I'm sure we're going to see each other around the ecosystem again. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's I, I've missed your energy. I'm really happy that you've had me here. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to share.
0: Hi there. Before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We want to be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity, inclusion, every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review, and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about Ambitious Every Day. It is all of the exercises that I take my coaching clients through in the form of a journal to help you focus and take action towards your goals. And here's the great news. If you subscribe to our newsletter, you get 11 pages of the journal for free as a PDF right to your inbox. So head on over to ambitiontheory.ca and sign up.